Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Oh, Father, speak to our hearts. Change us according to your will. May we be made free and courageous. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, seventh chapter. And Jesus is just going about his ministry, and he's in a community that was very central to his work Capernaum on the North Shore of Galilee, and he's approached. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from Luke 7. After he had ended all his sayings in the hearing of his people, he entered Capernaum. Now, a centurion had a slave who was dear to him, who was sick and at the point of death. When he heard of Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and to heal his slave. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him earnestly, saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he, knew our, he, he loves our nation, and he built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to Jesus, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him turned and said to the multitude that followed him, I tell you the truth, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave was well. And God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. A centurion was a Roman soldier in charge of at least 100 men. But he was Roman. He was representing the occupying force. He was considered an outsider. He was considered one of those upon whom, given the chance, they would spit at him. He was considered one of those who was detested almost as much as a leper. And so his presence in this community was remarkable because somehow, some way, he fell in love with the people that he was supposedly watching. And you know how it is. You go into a community and and live there a while and and you, you fall in love with them. You know, so many people are worried about Californians coming to Naples. 
And I simply say, bring them. We'd love to have them. Why? Because we'll put a love on them and let them know that we, we're not so bad here in Florida. And I think this centurion came to realize that, you know, the people are not so bad. Maybe he recognized that the, uh, the young women were really cute. <laughs> and the guys were really funny. And maybe he came to realize that these were not awful, horrible people that needed to be enslaved, to be subjected to the government of Rome. Somehow he, he came to love them. And more than that, he came to serve them. Somehow it came about that he mustered resources to have a synagogue built so that they might have a home to worship in. And what's remarkable, uh, what's remarkable about all of this is the fact that as a soldier of Rome, he had taken vows to Tiberius, and the vows that he took to Tiberius was that was to acknowledge and recognize that Tiberius was the god of Rome. And so this particular soldier was acting in a manner that was potentially subversive by acknowledging that there may be a god over the god that he had pledged to. There may be a god that that these people somehow embodied with their faith that was, that was a greater God than the God to whom he had given his vows. And so in, in acknowledging the faith of these people and honoring the faith of these people, he was not acting like a well, maybe not quite so much like a good Roman as he was like a good person. And that subversive element is that which existed in the early church all along. This is why Christians were being killed off because they wouldn't acknowledge the, the paganism of the, the cult of Rome. They instead said there is one Lord, one God, and Christ is Lord, and Christ is God, not Caesar. So he, in some way, was an antecedent to the early church. And he sent some of his friends from the synagogue. And they were happy to go run on his behalf and, and face Jesus and say, you know, he's got this guy he really cares about, the slave that works with him, and he's not doing well, and, and he's asked that you would just heal him. So the, the synagogue officials were asking him to come and and lay hands on him and do that whole thing. And Jesus goes, as Jesus does when called by human need. And, and then when the centurion recognizes that Jesus is coming and he's going to enter into his house, certainly he knows because he's hanging around all these Jewish guys all the time that he doesn't want to defile Jesus, who is a who's a rabbi. He doesn't want to defile him by having him come under his roof. And so he sends his own friends and says, fend him off, tell him stop. Tell him just say the word. Just say the word from where he is. 
and it'll be done. Jesus was amazed. Twice in the scriptures does it reference Jesus being amazed. Here, and he was amazed also because of the lack of faith in his own hometown. In his own hometown, they tried to kill him. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. The insider lack of faith. And here's an utter outsider, a completely detested human being in relationship to the Jewish nation. And he was amazed at his faith. And the guys go back, and the slave is well. And he's probably doing what he did. He's probably sweeping the floor or something like that. Going back to normal life. And there was great joy in that household. But the Jewish leadership, in seeing this, had their own sense of faith undermined to some extent. And that is because they considered their centurion friend worthy of being healed, of the slave being healed. They looked at his life and considered that his life lived up to the capability of God's compassion. And only in that sense are they mistaken. The worthiness was not accomplished by good works. The worthiness was accomplished by need and asking, the humility that comes from asking. And so Jesus praises this man who is a, who is a soldier, a man who serves, a man who is one who understands the realities of, of military service and the reality of having to do what somebody else says and the innate humility that comes when someone enters into that kind of service. Jesus got it and was amazed at his understanding. I didn't have to serve. I was, on a, I was playing basketball on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I had just come off a month at the original Cornelia Farm uh, Habitat for Humanity project. And I had traveled up, hitchhiked up from Georgia up to uh, New York City. And there was spending about a week and with the uh, Young Life director who was living there in Brooklyn. I was playing basketball. Oddly enough, one of those times when I was playing who should show up but Dr. J. I was stunned, I was amazed. But this particular day on the Lower East Side, somebody had a transistor radio down by the pole that holds the, that holds the uh, basketball hoop. And it was the day of the lottery when they were calling off the, the, the birthdays one after another and the number of the lottery drawing. And we were in October, and I was rolling on through the month, and, and I stepped aside and leaned down to hear that I was number 312 in the lottery. So I didn't have to serve. And at that time, I was glad. But now I'm not so sure. 
I'm not so sure that it was the best thing for me in life. My mom was a veteran, served in the Navy. She was a lieutenant based over here in Miami. She actually soloed in a plane. My dad was a veteran, served in the European theater. And he was a sergeant, so dad always said that mom outranked him. <laughs> and that he had to salute her, and he did. I mean, not literally, but every day of his life, he was saluting his mother, uh, my mother. And all I can say is, is that as time has gone by, my deep and my deep regard and respect and affection for those who served has only grown. This morning, this tie, tie I didn't really think was all that big a deal, but it was dad's tie. And I sniffed it. I could smell my dad. And the respect that we have for those who are willing to go out onto the, the front lines, even if they never go. So many veterans spend their time in boredom, but at any moment, the call could come through and they could find themselves in harm's way. And, and those who have served, men like Cecil, may come back having left their health in a foreign land. And so it is that we respect and honor those who've served and in no small manner, when we hear, when, he, when the stories finally come out, we're amazed. Even as Jesus was, was amazed at the faith of the centurion, we're amazed at the level of service that was rendered. I've shared with you before how my, my father, who was drafted as a college graduate after he had washed out of uh, naval training school because he called somebody a snake <laughs> in Seattle, and, and he was working in a, in a, in a, a factory, and some, some guy over him, some, well, dad, that was dad, <laughs> and called him a snake. So he ended up being drafted into the army and they put him behind enemy lines during reconnaissance, a civil engineer graduate. And dad and his Jeep driver were the very first ones into Ordruf, which is the first liberated concentration camp of the Americans. And he went in and uh, he said a little Jewish man came up with tears in his eyes and gave him a big hug and he went on to describe how bodies were stacked like firewood and outside the camp were the pits full of lime. And dad was probably 90, 91 when he finally told that story, when the stories come out. And I was amazed, astonished, not just at that, but just that dad wasn't sitting behind a typewriter the whole time because he never talked about it. And so it is with those who served. There's such a deep and profound humility. And then last night, I, was a, I accompanied Pat O'Connor at, at the Philharmonic 
for the recognition of Myra Daniels and her service to this community. And I had to leave early. I had to leave before the, all the reception stuff had happened because I do this on Sundays, and so I had to get prepared. And I was walking out the side and then going out down toward the parking lot, and in through the glass I saw someone. During Vietnam, he flew 90, he flew an F-4 Phantom jet on 90 missions over Vietnam and Laos. He was shot down in 1968 and, and was at the Hanoi Hilton for over five years. His military honors include two silver stars, the Legion of Merit, two distinguished flying crosses, two bronze stars, seven air medals, and the Purple Heart. During his time in Hanoi, he actually knew John McCain, who was also imprisoned there. And he says, as, it, as I picked up online, we all, need to take not, we all need to not take ourselves so seriously. Take our mission in life seriously, but not ourselves. And for those who have fought for it, freedom has a flavor that the protected will never know. So those who served know something that the rest of us will never know. And that is the taste of freedom. It's Wayne Ogden Smith. You may know him. He's in our community and an active member in our community, outgoing, loving, caring. He and his wife are almost everywhere, almost all the time. But last night, as I was walking out and I saw him walking in the hallway, I just had to go. And I walked up behind him and tapped him on the shoulder and I said, Wayne, I said, I just want you to know how much everyone at Naples Community Church loves our veterans. And I just thanked him for who he was and how he has served. Because I cannot taste freedom as those who have served do. And so I am amazed. You bow with me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for those who have followed the example of your Son who told us greater love has no one than this, but they give up their lives for their friends. Those who served have given their life in small, large, and in some cases, ultimate matters. And Lord, we're grateful. Grateful especially for the example of your Son, our Savior Christ, who in service to the world that he loves, gave his life. We pray in his name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. 
Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.